Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Whoa! Hear the kids in America! Whoa! Right here on Let's Hear It for the Boys, I'm Alex. I'm Justin, and that's a tenuous connection to the words Hear It for the Boys. (laughs) I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the Gen V Season 1 finale, Episode 8, The Guardians of Godalkin. So if you haven't watched it, on Prime Video, go watch it. We're going to spoil it. But it all goes down here. Gen V, more like the boys episode. Come on. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's been like that, uh, I don't know, the whole season, pretty much. It's all one song, what man. This? What are you doing? What are you cracking, cracking a beer? Cracking a Woo! beer? <laughs> oh, man. Party time extreme. Anyway, brief bit of recap about what's going on here, mostly because this was, I think, the shortest episode of the season, or potentially tied it. Very surprising for a finale, but... Pack it in. Dense. Pack it in, man. Dense. Tons of stuff going on here. After killing Shetty in the last episode, Kate... Where the fuck is Shetty? As we <laughs> correctly predicted, turns out to be kind of the big villain here. Obviously, your mileage may vary who actually is a villain in the show or Ooh. not. But Kate oh, and Sam oh. team up to free everybody from the woods. The woods kids go wild on the Godalkin campus. Meanwhile, Marie, Emma, and uh, Jordan all team up to try to stop them. There's a lot of twists, a lot of turns. We get some repeated cameos here as first Bork comes back from the acting class, almost gets killed by Sam. So and close. Ashley is there as well, trying to create yeah. a mess that's happened over the course of the season and decided they're going to send somebody directly to the seven, ultimately offering that to Marie, but Marie defers and instead tries to save the humans on campus, much to her own detriment because big surprise at the end of the episode, Homelander shows up. There he is. And emboldened by the, I don't know, alt-right movement, essentially, in soups that is building around him. He asks her what kind of animal she is, and heat blasts her directly to the tummy. We get a cut. We don't know if she's alive or dead, but the cliffhanger at the end of the episode, uh, multiple cliffhangers, is now the Guardians of the Godalgan have been switched. They changed the story so that Kate and Sam were the ones who saved everybody from Andre, Emma, and Jordan. And I'm forgetting somebody here. Oh, and uh, Marie, of course. And then they wake up. They are in a hospital room, in hospital gowns, but there are no doors and they don't know what they are. And as one final little end credit scene, we get to see Butcher picking up on the call from Mallory in the last episode, who was like, keep an eye on them. He didn't keep a good eye on them because he shows up after everything happens, but he goes through the woods and gives a classic Butcher what a bunch of corn. <laughs> Hard to understand. I had to listen to and it. And the crowd times. goes wild. I couldn't hear what he was saying no, or like, what was what's going, going on? on. What's happening here? What are you doing? They only had uh, one take with him. Before we get into all the big moments in the episode, though, as I always like to do at the end of a season, let's talk about the first season of Gen V in total. What do we think about this? And I'm also curious as a little asterisk here beyond the quality of the show, which I think it's pretty clear over the course of this podcast we do like. How do you think it worked as its own show? Do you think it worked as its own season as a spinoff of The Voice versus what some people were referring to it as, as like The Boys season 3.5? Or was it both? Well, what is it, Matt? I mean, I think it's I think it's very good. I enjoyed this whole season. And the fact that it is, it is effectively feeding into the larger narrative that has been constructed in The Boys – is just a bonus. I said this on the last episode, I think. It's what like Marvel and DC to some extent would wish are wishing they could do. And these two shows are pulling it off, I think, pretty perfectly. Like the excite coming out of this first season, my excitement is very high to come back for next season A, but even more presently, the next season of the boys. Pete, what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of crossover, sure, uh, which is fun. Uh, and all the cameos were, I was like, oh, yeah, this is so great. Um, but yeah, I feel like it does stand alone as its own season, but also uh, it gets you really pumped for the next season, The Boys. So yeah, whether you want to call it 3.5 or its own, whatever, I feel like either way you're getting, it's a lot of great television. There was tons of insane, cool moments it felt different from the boys at times. And then other times you're like, Jesus, this is definitely an, feels like an episode <laughs> of the boys. Holy shit. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, like the boys, uh, it is all over the place, but in a good way. And you really got to spend some time with these uh, kids here. Uh, and I think they're just kind of in a different ro- new wing of the woods uh, mm. and completely fucked over. But oh, it's um, like a mansion. It's like a cool mansion, and they're in the east wing instead of the west. Exactly. Wing. They blew up one wing of it. They're, they didn't even know about the other part over there. It looks um, fancier though, like a fancier. You think prison. it was an upgrade? You get. I mean, if you blow up Definitely. the school, you get a nicer setup. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying like it, it's like they they yeah, were just in to an be Airbnb. Clear. I just want to say for anybody listening out there, Pete LePage is encouraging you. If you're going to school, listen, right whoa, now, you, whoa, you blow up your whoa, school and then you'll get a better no. one. Right, Pete? Is that what you're no, encouraging man. students to do? No. Take it easy, man. I, I would say The Boys is an Emmy-nominated satire, right? This show, <laughs> I feel like. Keep going. Factual. Uh, this show. Is that true? Yes. This show is right there, I think. I think it built really nicely from a very a far distant place from the boys. Got closer to the boys, yes, over the course of the season, narratively and character-wise. But I still think it can stand on its own, has the dark humor that we really love from the boys in its own little flavor, different flavor profile. Younger, fresher, more like old canned beer, which is my flavor exactly. I'm on board. Uh, I I wanted to call out something we were talking about on the last episode, more specifically what you mentioned, Justin, when we I was expressing concern over the reveal that Shetty's motivation was about Homelander blowing up the plane or downing the plane that her husband and daughter were on. And that, to me, felt like a plot point that was exterior to the show Gen V. And I wanted everything to be interior to the show Gen V. I still agree with that point at my end, but I think what you aptly point so out. So wait, you're saying you agree with yourself? I agree with myself. The end. No, <laughs> oh, I have something to add on there. I'm just setting it up. <laughs> and people don't intimately remember my own thoughts as well as I do listening from yeah. podcast episode to podcast episode. Delete. Yeah. The thing that you brought up is that all the stuff with Shetty, everything else was about clearing out of the way so that you could focus on the core characters in this episode. I think you were 100% right about that. And I think that was a really smart decision there to kill Shetty, to kill Cardoza, even using Victoria Newman to do that. And ultimately, in retrospect, though, again, I, I don't, I still believe what I said about the last episode. I do think bringing up Homelander as Shetty's motivation is a nice way of setting up Homelander in the show so that you can pay him off at the end of this episode. So like you're saying, Justin, even if you have never seen an episode of Boys of the World, you know, because he's that hilarious shot of him landing in front of his own statue. You know exactly who he is. You know he's important. You know he's dangerous. And you know everybody defers to him. Ashley calls him out earlier in the episode as well as like their nuclear... Uh, bomb their nuclear, you know, deterrent that they're going to bring in, and that's ultimately what what role he serves here. So you get the thrill of a cameo and the excitement there of like, oh shit, it's Homelander, shit's about to go down because you know it from the boys. But at the same time, what I'm doing is I'm lauding the show here for laying that stuff in and making it work on both levels. So a long way of saying I agree with what you're saying. Okay. Well, even if beyond you- that, hold on, just one thing on that. Like I think that. Setting up Shetty and Homelander on two opposite sides, uh, two poles here, but both wrong. Like Shetty's trying to kill all soups in revenge for what Homelander did to her and her family. Homelander on the other side, what, you know, Shetty's killed. Homelander won, is, continues to win, and he comes in here. He's the system. He rewrites the narrative so that the characters we're rooting for lose and the characters that are established as villains in this episode, chillingly so are immediately replace them as the winners and on top. Like it makes for such a dark ending, but at the same time, right in line with expectations to any time Homelander appears on screen. 
And something I've been trying to say for a while is, yes, the show is like uh, uh, Emmy status, but this is like daytime Emmy. You know what I mean? Like it's just <laughs> that's below. That's just so you know, if you, that's, that's much lower. It's still an Emmy, though, but, you know, it is a little bit lesser than. Yeah, it's like how lunch lunch is daytime dinner. It's like a, yeah. it's like a worse dinner, you know. And sometimes you go hard on lunch. You know, what I do mean? you think sometimes you need a big lunch? You know, what this I mean? brings me to the next topic I want to talk about. Do you think this show could really go for a Degot, which is a daytime Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony? Yeah, definitely. Um, very hard to win a Degot. <laughs> it is nearly because why would, you? why would you? Why would you? Hey, you come on. Do that? All right. Rather than the greater thought, we've talked about some specific moments of the show, but I think we've we like the show. We thought it was good. We thought it was a good season. Let's yes. talk about the specifics here. Um, we could walk through, but I almost want to go character by character and start with the big one, which is Kate, because like I was talking about in the recap, she's definitely treated like the big villain here down to the point that she's the final boy. She needs to, they need to stop. She recruits Sam. She is giving straight up villain speeches throughout the episode. But at the same time, I thought they did a really good job of like with the best villains, giving her a motivation and giving her dialogue that also works as a hero in her own mind. Yeah. What did you guys think about that? And what was your big takeaway or takeaways from Kate? Uh, I, I agree. Like, I think they sort of, it snuck up. She's a character I, th- I think we all really liked and could uh, empathize with all the way up until this episode, really. Or you could you could loop in there the fact that she had uh, Shetty kill herself right in front of everyone else at the end of last episode. So, like, she, she her, the way she's speaking is like a hero and she's rewarded as a hero at the end of the episode. And her villain turn comes pretty quickly. Like she still wants to like be with Andre, but instantly she's like, this isn't conforming with what I want. And unlike what the decisions that Marie's been grappling with of like, should I do this fake things for the prestige or uh, be true to myself and morally right? She doesn't seem to have that problem. Everything she wants is to just like shake down the system, do what she needs to do to get it done. And that's what she does in this episode without looking back. Uh, it, it's hard because, you know, she immediately her first kind of big move was to split up Sam and Emma and that that hurt. You know what I mean? Like, don't mess with my ship. You know what I mean? If you're going to be a shipwrecker, you're you're definitely villain side for sure. So ship sunk ship sunk, yeah. Doug. No, no, don't say that. It's not over. It's definitely not over. Uh, but I feel like <laughs> I Kate and Andre. I think that's done. I'm sorry. No, I'm talking. No, he's about, talking about oh, Sam and Emma. Oh, Sam and Sam Emma. And Emma. Yeah. yeah, I think that's all done. The only thing that isn't Come done on, by the end dude, of this episode is Marie and Jordan. Marie and Jordan, very strong. strong. Yeah, very strong. Everybody dude, else, yeah, she, Sam, and I, Sam and Emma is not over. It can still be saved. I will say, in your defense, Pete, that obviously we don't know what's going to happen in Gen V season two. We also don't know how these characters are going to interact in the Boys season four at all, if they do. But like. They're not going to spend a whole season separate. We're not going to have four people in a room with no walls and two people outside those walls the entire time. Yeah, but think about They're the mix daytime it up Emmy that would earn. Come on. It would be unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, yes, sure. But my point being that, yes, we will see these characters mix it up again. We will see relationships mix around in the second season. That That's definitely what you do. But as we stand to the end of the season... Sorry. Sorry, man. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Doug. The the two great Kate moments, I thought. The moment where it's just chilling when she takes away uh, Sam's ability to feel, which I was like, like, that is so dark. He's going to... He's going to go on a killing spree and not have any reservations about it. I was really scared. 100%. And I, I was like, oh, God, he's full villain, not even looking back. Like, that was just really well done and very... The fact that her powers have just been cut loose, sort of the opposite coin to Marie, whose powers also have been elevated so much this season. I thought that moment was great and terrifying. And when she's about to push Jordan... Mm-hmm. And Marie uh, blood bends her arm off. I was oh, like, "Oh, dude, explodes that her was also, arm!" I, when she I legit her scree- arm. screamed when that happened. Yeah, yeah I was great like, oh, moment. Shit. Yeah, horrifying, but really perfect. Yeah, the yes, so many good moments with Kate. I thought this is what I wanted out of Maddie Phillips the entire show, and she just 
gave everything in this episode. Uh, the, so many, like, I know this is a weird way of saying this, but so many good looks for her, too. They gave her so many hero slash villain shots, like her coming out of the elevator with the, wait, what is it? What's the bit? I don't know why I keep liking it. The Greg the, and Bob bit was yeah, really good. Yeah. Like, oh, so Bob. good. Yeah. But her, when she comes out of the elevator and is clearly knows Sam's there and is going to take him out, was great. Her walking down the hallway with all of the kids from the woods was great. Um, just yeah. really the is gangdom style still a thing was great very funny great joke so, I well, well I, what I loved about that oh maybe you're gonna say the same thing Justice what I loved about that joke was like in the middle of this very tense hyper like dark and dangerous sequence that they can throw in a joke about gangdom style that's great I love it. The way that this show in general balances like moments of comedy with just like absolute darkness yeah. because I, I do think this. This episode is like basically taking the the drama of like a school shooting mm-hmm. and like and making the building a story with our these characters around that level of danger, tension, straight up fear. The way they were able to do that and that is as a writing challenge that is terrifying to make yeah. that sort of it's- the idea of the episode. So that was super dark, super intense, and unbelievable they pulled it off. But secondarily, to show Kate and, to a lesser extent, Sam be sort of charmed by this, like, dark, uh, genocidal, xenophobic language and then take it on themselves so quickly, I thought was, again, just great satire, great illustration of so many real-world dangers that we have going on in our lives and to put them on screen and still have a gang of style joke. Unbelievable. But also like the like you think one thing's gonna happen, like you see the dickless guy making a TikTok video and you're like, Yeah, this guy's gonna finally die. And you're kind of like, Oh man, and he's just like, Are you soup? And he's kinda of like, Yeah, and then turns to the other lady, like, Are you soup? And you're like, Oh my god, like the comedy kind of like the twists and turns that this show can pull off is very impressive to kind of uh, back up what you were saying there, Jay. The I I couldn't. This is a very stupid specific thing, but the show is so good about cultural relevance and being pointed about stuff. Calling out a specific TikTok trend when it was like several months past to me felt uh, at first I was like, eh, you kind of missed the mark there a little bit. But then I, is the joke that like Rufus is doing it? Like Rufus is stupid. Yes. Yeah. Trend. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it works because I was thinking that same thing. I was like, oh, weird. But also, how do you do it? If you want him to be doing a TikTok thing, you can't create a new one unless it's specific to the character. But instead to have him do one like way too late and have it be about him being lame as a response video, I thought was was the smartest writing way out of it. And it made us you know, like him even less. Yeah. Uh, yes, he's the worst. Uh, who? Let's talk about Marie. We touched on her a little bit, but this is definitely recentering Marie in a big way in this episode, putting her front and center, making her finally try to be a hero. She gets a big hero moment at the end, realizing that she could pull the blood out of people's bodies and make them into blood knives. The way she basically turning her trauma into her superpower. Classic. X-Men, not to keep calling them out, but like classic X-Men style thing going on there. I also loved her using the information that Victoria Newman gave her to be able to sense Maverick's circulatory system and call him out. Yeah, that's great. Um, So, so many good stuff, like, and full circle stuff that brought the season to a close. Her pumping up Andre and saying, uh, Guardians of Godalkin, right? Come on, we're doing this together. I thought was great from her being frozen in the first episode and also in a very subtle way, Jordan being the hero outside where everybody could see them. That comes full circle as well from the beginning where they fought golden boy and nobody saw it. And that was taken away from them. So here they get to be front and center. And of course it does get taken away at the end. Um, But overall, I know I just jumped for Marie to a billion other people, but uh, I just thought uh, her pumping everybody up and really stepping up and being this team leader was good. Pete, I know you were a little torn up, obviously, about the team not being a team, but how did you feel about this mini team? Like at least seeing Jordan, Marie. Tiny team. Tiny team. Team cricket. Also, what they did with Andre was cool where it was like, you know, he made the choice to kind of stay by his father's side until – 
He's like, all right, you know, and he kind of shows up when all the helicopter madness is going on. I I was I was happy with the way, you know, because sometimes you feel like when the, you get this action sequence that they force things so everybody's at one place at one time. Like, I liked how they kind of planned that out and people were getting there at different times and contributing to the overall chaos in different ways. It really made it feel more hectic and interesting, which was cool. Um, but yeah, like the way that her and uh, or Andre and Marie kind of like teamed up was great. The them, you know, the the good guys, the team, good people was nice to kind of see happen. It was just awful to kind of see also, you know, the kind of Kate and Sam of it all, just to how uh, dark and how bad they went and how fast. So that was uh, that was brutal to watch in many ways. But I mean the. The just the action, the clip, and like the fact that we didn't get to kind of like the fact that we got to see that uh, naked RA and uh, and it mm-hmm. didn't look like Zalvin, but I was hoping it was gonna <laughs> what? be Zalvin. Yeah, no, he it was wasn't, hoping it was gonna be you. Oh, uh, you've always wanted to see me nude. Nope, that's been no. one of your. Do you remember no. when you got that genie and you were like, "Can I just have a, a fourth wish?" I know I've already asked for a beard and a full head of hair and glasses as my three wishes. My fourth wish would be to see Alex Albin dude. He's like, "No, I can't. No, can't do, Broseph." Oh man, that was no, a that fun was, time when you had that. <laughs> that genie. was a fun day. But, a fun little fact about that, by the way: the nude guy. I, don't, I should have written down his name, but the nude version of Maverick is an entirely different av- actor than the one who played him live action. Huh? Here you go. Fun. Yeah. Fun. Nude actor, great category. Great thing to put on your resume right underneath British accent. Additional. That skills. was a funny little Easter egg because Chance Perdomo is actually, I believe, dual citizenship between the UK and the United States. So one of his actual skills is being able to effectively do a British accent or an American accent. So it was very funny to actually call that out in the show. Feels yeah. like a great roast they did there. And while we're talking about that scene, it just uh, love seeing Ashley. We saw her at the, in the first episode yes. of the season, right? And then back here. She's such a good villain like t- taking the place in the uh, the Vought power structure from like the previous two sort of heads of Vought we've had are much more serious characters and to have her be such a shithead and so like b- bad at it but also b- going so hard farm to table fuck fest yeah. <laughs> she was missing out on I was like this is so funny and crazy and she does pull it off she saves their board whatever Homelander does show up but by the skin of her teeth and after just embarrassing herself. When the director shows up oh, and yeah. he talking about how they hooked yeah. up yeah. Uh, at a at a pediatric cancer fundraiser, I want to say is the <laughs> reference. Uh, I was like, very funny. I love that character as well. So yeah, the whole he, Ashley the director world was great. Yeah, the Ashley world was awesome. I love that phone call she made to Marie. Where she's like, hey, congratulations, you made the seven. Now, please murder everyone. You know, and it was just like such <laughs> cancel a... Cancel them was the word that she used. Yeah. Now, just cancel yeah. them. Permanently cancel them. That was great. All the stuff with Ashley was great. Justin, as a classically trained actor, how did you mm. feel about Bork's advice to do a monologue that is complimenting director without being a total upfront asshole about it? Good tip? Uh Great tip. It's very rare, I think, when you can be auditioning for someone with a monologue that somehow flatters them. Uh, That would be a really hard situation. It's not like you're going to roll in. Very rarely are you auditioning for a movie role with a monologue from a movie. That would be crazy. Uh, There aren't a lot of movie monologues uh, in general. Uh, But if you happen to be auditioning for William Shakespeare himself, Definitely crush one of his favorite monologues. And talking about density of jokes, that was another thing in that scene. There were so many jokes in a row with Bork from doing the slow clap, everybody start clapping, no, just me, me. me. putting out his fist, nope, not the knuckles, and then immediately going into that speech about that, followed by his line to Sam where he's like, you have uh, – Josh Hartnett has more stage presence than this man. It's okay. We're (laughs) friends. I can say that. I know. It's so good. Joke on joke on joke. 
Yeah. And then and I get to keep giving the same compliment to the show. Like that's all just an absolute terror of jokes. And then right after that, you get this really emotional scene between Sam and Emma that I thought was just great oh. acting on both their sides yes. about like what Emma it is crying, to come from me. different backgrounds uh, and how like, you know, they're both sort of trying to like put their pain up against each other's and there's no winner there. The idea of just such a complicated emotional argument following these jokes in the middle of a giant fight, I thought was again, just super well, super well done. Well, what did you, I wanted to ask you guys about this because Sam absolutely rips into Emma here and tells her a couple of things specifically that you want what is best for you and you would do anything for everyone to like you. You're not a hero. I, Pete, I know you love Emma, so I know what side you're going to fall on. But Justin, what do you think? Is that true? Is Sam right about this? No, I think he and was trying to yourself. do. I think he was just trying to do damage to her in that moment. Like he is feeling very damaged because she wouldn't go along with him. So he was like, I know what I'll do. I'll just inflict as much pain on you as I can in this moment. And so dick he move. hit those. He hit those marks. Yeah. Uh, classic dick move. Fucking asshole, man. He doesn't deserve Emma. I gotta wow, now you're off Sam and Emma. My yeah. goodness. I I think there's some truth there. Like, it wouldn't have hit as hard if he wasn't being accurate. I mean, certainly he's preying on her fears a little bit. Yeah, but bit. that's her past. That has no relevance here with what's going on with them. You know Think about mean? it this way. There, I, and again, I know you're on the Seba trade, or maybe you're off the Seba trade. I'm very confused about the continuity here. I think Sam, Emma hooked into Sam immediately. It was like, this is somebody I can save. This is somebody who doesn't know anybody else, will like me no matter what. And whether she did that explicitly well, you, or not, and I don't think she did, I think, I think that's what she hooked into with him. I well, think he's kind of right. Maybe I, you know, I don't know her. You know, maybe she just thought, "Here's somebody who gets me and also has trauma that I can connect to, and here's somebody who I enjoy being around." You know what I mean? Like, who knows? With the they clearly had a connection, but also yes. think about it this way: from Sam's perspective, she was like, he was like, she was like, "Come on, I'm going to rescue you from the woods." Okay, now hide out in this drive-in. Okay, now never leave my room. She put she's him- trying to help. She doesn't. Maybe she just has the great. She also, plans. at the same time, put him in the same situation that he was just in. She put him in a tiny version Not of the on woods. purpose. She like an arboretum. Like, oh. She put him in an arboretum. She wasn't purposely trying to do that. If you right? accidentally imprison somebody, you've still imprisoned them. Oh my god! You know what? She's running around trying to get him clothes and stuff, trying to help him out, and you're acting like she was. She in took prison. like he was three hours beers. to go she to the Vada Burger downstairs. Oh she got distracted. How dare Emma's you? in the wrong. Emma's the know. true supervillain of the show. Oh, go after yeah. yourself. You don't know what she was going through. Maybe she was being berated the whole time she was outside and had to fight off all these people and these inner demons. You don't know what she's went through, you asshole. All right, so stop putting your shit on her shit. And maybe they can work it out. But he he hurt her bad. And that crying that she did was uh, beautiful and painful. And it was a really nice moment in the show. Pete loves Emma. (laughs) Pete loves Emma. One thing that's going to be interesting, and we kind of touched on this before, but Kate's powers, I think, have a time limit to them. Like, it seems like they wear Mm -hmm. off at a certain point based on the fact that Rufus is not still hitting himself in his no dick with a bat yelling Jumanji. So Sam at some point is going to start feeling things again. I'd be very interested to see that moment just from a dramatic perspective once he realizes what he's done here. And then the other thing I would say, not tied into that, but to serve to wrap up the Sam and Emma of all, great, very fascinating twist to throw out there with her powers for season two that it's not actually tied to binging and purging necessarily. It may actually be more tied to her emotions. And when Sam makes her feel small, she becomes small. Oh, so that was great. I, I, I think that's such a smart move to explore her psychologically further, push it in interesting directions. Very excited about that. Uh, well, uh, one comment on the Kate Sam thing. I think her powers do wear off, but I bet she could re-push him. And that yeah. makes him sort of uh, beholden to her, uh, addicted to her. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how that will go forward. Also, given the fact that she used to you know, date his brother, like I feel like. That's going to be a very complicated situation, I think. Yeah, there's 
two things I'll say off that. One, there's very clear, I think addiction is completely the app word because the way that Maddie Phillips plays that line with Kate where she's like, do you want my help? It's very much a drugs yeah. thing that's going on there. Also, his reaction, his sigh of relief. But the other thing is, in terms of being Golden Boy's brother, we also get hallucinatory oh, Golden Boy, which there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. I think one thing that doesn't work logically, but I would say is true anyway, is this is all in Sam's head. And Sam has not talked to Luke. Sam doesn't know what Luke was going through when he killed Brink or anything like that. But I would say at the same time, dream Luke telling Sam that I felt such guilt over killing Brink that I killed myself. I think that's the canonical explanation for why Luke did. Yeah. Do you guys feel that as well? I believe that. Yes. I reach in a little bit. <laughs> All right. And wow. uh, the other thing, do you think we'll see Luke in a potential season two? Unless of course, Sam is cut off from his feelings. Meaning dream Luke. Yeah, we'll yeah. I think we'll see more dream Luke. Potentially. I don't know. It doesn't seem necessary, perhaps. It felt like definitely part of that. But to because if we see him again, we're going to have to reestablish in a second season, like who Luke is, what happened, how he relates mm-hmm. to Sam and all that. And I, I just feel like they could just do a puppet or something. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling we may not see him again. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, who else? We should talk about Andre and Polarity Andre. because there's some big yeah. stuff that goes down there. We, I, I saw somebody online was annoyed that it seemed like only the women had motivations on the show, uh, limitations on the show, like traumatic backstory. Mm-hmm. Like we got Kate, we got Marie, uh, Andre, we've got that now. Like I think they are laying yeah. that in for everybody. Obviously, Sam has a traumatic background as well. They've been pretty clear about that. Um, oh, and Emma as well. But Andre, we get, we find out that basically like every time he uses his powers, it's going to create a tear in his brain that ultimately will give him seizures, will give potentially give him a stroke or something like that. And on the other opposite of the spectrum, he's finally been accepted by his father who says, put on my costume, you're going to be the new polarity. So lots of rough stuff going on for Andre in this episode. I thought that was interesting. Like, if he's why would he wear the polarity costume? Yeah, Isn't, exactly. His powers are different. Like it's not the same thing. I, right? No, I think they have the same. They're both magnetic powers, so I think they do both have the same powers. And that was always the thing: is that yeah. his dad was like, "You're going to be the next polarity. You're going to take on this name." So he was always holding that over him. And Andre, the entire season, was fighting against that. He was like, "I don't want to be my dad. I want to be my own person." He discovers his dad isn't a hero. But ultimately, that's what his dad, not exactly on his deathbed, but close to it, gives him at the end there is like carry on the family name. And ultimately, he does it right. Like he runs off to Godalkin, stops the helicopter, becomes a hero, fights back um, and has decided he's going to ignore his health in favor of that. And it really hits him hard there. So like polarity seemed to have gotten by a lot longer using his powers without facing big consequences. And already Andre was like. Very dizzy at the end of it. But Mm -hmm. I mean, if there was something that we did to ourselves that killed brain cells, would we do it on the regular basis? (laughs) Probably not. Right, guys? Probably not. Anyway, I'll take a I'll take a Manhattan uh, rocks. (laughs) (laughs) What else for the episode? Yeah, go ahead. To kind of. uh, Yeah. I mean, getting the father's acceptance was a nice moment. You know, it was kind of his blessing so he could go off and. Uh, try to be a hero. It was kind of I thought it was a bad moment because it's leading to his death and his father doesn't know that. Yeah, but his father finally accepted him, so that was nice. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what's the price of father's acceptance? Mixed bag. Okay. That's literally every emotional relationship in this show is, well, sort of a mixed bag. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, oh, yeah. Jordan was the one that we should talk about. I feel like emotional arc wise, Jordan was the least served here. Still yeah. really like Jordan in the episode. Great character. Love both of the actors playing them. But I don't know. Other than that moment I mentioned of saving the humans, I don't think there was the emotional catharsis here necessarily. Yeah, but Marie gave uh, a, a lot of stuff to Jordan where you kind of felt happy for them as a as a couple going forward. Totally. 
Well, I think the Jordan and Marie relationship, I feel like, was the real win on the Jordan side uh, of the of the show because, like, it feels like they're stronger than ever now. They're they've got a lot of great intimate time together oh, in this man. new trapped in a box, doorless prison. Yeah. Um, before we get to the cliffhangers and potentially what's next in a season two and the boys season four, other moments from the episode we want to call out. Um, one, one slight criticism where I feel like they were, the satire was like a little, not as nuanced as in other places when the Godolkin students are like freaking out cause they lose their Wi-Fi. Yeah. I was like, all right. Oh, Me I was going to call that out as a positive. I yeah. liked that the was... reason I I like that is that character I think is named Harper uh, and the girl with the tail. I understand it was a little out of the nose, but what I liked about that is this show is creating its own world of characters very rapidly that is separate from the boys, so we don't have to depend on Victoria Newman to show up. It's nice that Ashley and Bork are there, but. I don't know. I think these are fun characters and it's fun seeing what they're up to and what's important to them, which is having Wi-Fi in the middle of this absolute disaster. Yeah, but it, yeah. I get I get what you're saying. You know, it's, you're punching down a little bit. It's a cheap joke, but it's also the reality of these characters that they built. Right. Where it's like they live in these little bubbles and how they see the world and they do things the way they want to. And all that shit doesn't really affect them until the Wi-Fi goes down. And then, yeah. They- like I just can't understand it being I just can't understand being that dependent on Wi-Fi, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sort of <laughs> a phone. I'm sort of a country Oh, oh sorry, uh, did you see my phone my phone buzz? My phone buzz? My phone just buzz? <laughs> is there a notification? Did you, did, you a, did you hear my phone buzz? Is it Wapost? LA Times? <laughs> New York Times? CNN? Yeah, did any of my newspapers email me? <laughs> <laughs> I did really like the delivery of the line. LTE just shouting that yeah, as oh if it's gonna God. come back. Not even LTE. One other thing, there's this whole segment with this character, Jeff, who uh, kills the... yes. Which I thought, I was like, at first I was like, I don't know what the point of this is. And then it, Kate, him killing the soup with the device, and then Kate killing him, I thought was just solidified her worldview. And they did it in a way that was very much showing and not telling, which I thought was, um, and also it was like, both sides here are sort of not great. But Uh, it's also showing the head exploding thing that was such a kind of from uh, other seasons past of like, oh my God, somebody's head exploding. Oh no, that was a different thing though, because they put that little metal device in there. Right. No, but it, was kind of a callback to that whole thing of like how Shetty could make people's heads explode and stuff like that. And like they were uh, in the courtroom. Newman, but no, I think that was okay. a totally different thing. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Same effect, different. Head pops a head pop. Head pops a head pop, bro. <laughs> yeah. you, if your head's get popping, don't stop it rocking. Um, anyway, what I was going to say about that, though, is that establishes two things. What it establishes the sonic weapon, uh, granted, like two seeds before they actually use it on campus, world, you know, wide scale as Marie does it. Um, but Jeff has it. And the other thing it establishes is that Jeff, something else was going on with him. Because Summer of Jeff. Well, but he's like, hey, I've been made after he does that. So clearly yeah. he wasn't actually just a loser social media guy. There was something else going on with him. So I do think that's an indication of some bigger plot that's happening, potentially tying into this window, this room that our characters end up in at the end. Yeah. I'm curious which side he's, or is he working for a new side? Is he on maybe a Newman side feels like the mentality and maybe Mm -hmm. how she was getting her, information from the school but i don't know i was surprised we didn't get any sort of resolution to why he why he was there and who he was working for because now it's going to be like member jeff and i remember then when the next season comes out i'm going to be like, <laughs> like sort of yeah uh yeah yeah we'll see what that is maybe he's working for mallory who knows maybe he was uh maybe that was huey rip huey um uh. Yeah, very sad. Why don't we talk about the end here? Because, again, lots of big stuff going down. Um, I want to talk about what we think is next in Gen V Season 2 first, because, like we mentioned, 
Kate and uh, why do I blink? Kate, Kate and Sam are the new Guardians of Godalkin. Everybody else is in this windowless room. Homelander is watching, which seems more of a tease for Boys season four. Um, what do you think is going on here? What's your best theory? I think we're going to come back to a darker place uh, for I feel like we'll start season two on Sam and Kate, what their lives are like now that they're in charge. Maybe they do they start dating? Are they, I feel like there might be some pressure for them to do that. And then we're going to have to get some sort of breakout from our actual heroes mm-hmm. from this windowless room. Who's who are they trapped by? They're probably trapped by Vaught. Right. Mm-hmm. Are they going to become a Vought team, almost like uh, a suicide squad, perhaps, where they Ooh. have to go run missions or else they are killed? I could see that being a thing that they then have to break out of and go back and get some revenge on Kate and Sam. Maybe, Maybe Emma wants to see Sam. Sam wants to see Emma. A lot of a lot of options. Maybe they're in the Vought Tower, you know, just kind of trapped. Yeah, that could be. It's fancy. I- The thing that I'm very curious about with the second season is if they're going to stick with the college concept at all, because it feels like what was very clear over the course of the season. It kind of blew that idea up. Yeah. Well, and it was less about Godalkin University than it was about how our, what are kids like in this world? What are teens, early 20s? What is that experience like in the same world where the boys takes place? So, I would expect, having no knowledge of it whatsoever, but I would expect, like with the boys, what they're going to look at is what does it mean to be in your early 20s, late teens in the world right now? How can we reflect that in the show? And that's what they'll start with with the second season. And if it means Mm -hmm. somehow these main four end up back in Katalkin and the best place to send it, set it is the college campus. Absolutely. If it's not about a college campus, if it's something else, they become like underground YouTube stars or something like that, or whatever the most current thing feels. <laughs> Did I just out underground YouTube oh, stars? Yeah. I, have some I don't questions. know. I was reading a wow. thing about the directors of Talk to Me, the horror movie, and they were like uh, Australian YouTube creators who really blew up and then made this horror movie. So that's very much top of mind for me right now. Nice, but, nice, nice. Yeah, maybe that. I don't know. Maybe the Twitch streamers. I could keep throwing out some dusty old references. Well, Sweet. Let me nice. Yeah, they're going to be like Vine hits, Vine celebs. <laughs> Got you. Well, I mean, if what Ashley said is true, there's a spot on the seven f- open for whoever the heroes are. And as we saw, the heroes are Kate and Sam. So is that is Kate going to be on the seven? Um, Potentially? I don't think so. I don't know. That, Maybe According to the story, open. there's a spot on the seven. Right. But I think that's potentially something because there clearly is a lot of coordination and they've been very open about coordination between the two writers room, but also that this show is doing a handoff to the boys season four. So if we want to segue into that, we've already talked about how we feel pretty confident the virus that Victoria Newman has is going to make its way into the boys season four. I think this whole, it's even clearer after this episode that Homelander leading an alt-right version of soups is going to be a big thing in season yeah. four that essentially we're going to get like soups rights being a thing. And the, the phrase they shouted the last episode, soup, soup lives matter. I think we're going to get a lot of that sort of, I mean, you're nodding your head, but it's supposed to feel uncomfortable. Like you're not supposed yeah. to feel good about it when you hear it, but the more they can dig into that real word satire, the better it is for the boys season four. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see some of that. And gosh, what were we just talking about? What was the thing? Um, uh, Kate being on the seven, someone on the seven. Oh yeah, just like potentially we'll see open spot on the seven. They're like, well, we could fill it with those fucks from over at Godalkin University. So who are we going to bring in here? Potentially, I don't know. I, I think like we shall the, see. The thing that I would say is like immediately taking Kate and Sam and putting them on the seven changes Gen V season two in a big way. And I think we'll see those characters pop up, but I don't know if we'll have big character moves with them in the boys season four. Hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong. This show doesn't seem super shy about changing stuff. Sure. That's so, true. Guess we'll see. Any theories, Pete, or just you're bummed well, out? I think that, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely bummed out. Um, I think it's one of those things where uh, I feel like, um, yeah, 
how the seven is affected by everything that went down with that uh, school is definitely where they're going to kind of pick up. And then also butcher versus, uh, you know, Homelander is the kind of, you think they're going to do butcher versus Homelander in the next season of the boys. That would be nuts. That would be uh, crazy. I don't think Butcher so. I don't needs think it's people, you know, he needs people to help him fight soups, and he's got a whole room full, and he just got to find that room. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. That's fair. I, again, I don't think that'll happen that way, but I think the purpose of the end credit scene beyond, hey, we have Carl Urban for the day, let's use him somehow, is and that it is fun to see Butcher, is to tie him into the virus storyline, because now he has that information and he can potentially track it down as a nuclear option against the soups. Victoria Newman has it. Mallory knows about it and doesn't want to use it. So I think that creates a lot of potentially very palpable conflict in season four. I would also say since Butcher, it feels pretty comfortable using, he was using uh, Compound V last season to be a soup. Does that change though his interest in using soups? Obviously a Starlight also uh, on the boys. So it's like, is the the calculation changing a little bit for Butcher and the way the boys move forward? Well, as we found out at the end of the boys season three, Butcher is dying. He doesn't have a yeah. lot of time left and he knows that. So I think we talked about this at the end of the last season of the boys. I think the virus is a perfect thing to be like, take them all out. This is my last act. I'm going to destroy all soups. So I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be the last season of the boys necessarily or anything, but I do think things are going to get potentially downright apocalyptic. Uh, I'll throw out one last thing that occurred to me that they might do in the next season of the boys with this virus. Um, I, initially I was thinking it could be superhero STD kind of thing because we know it's transferred by bodily fluids. What if they do soup COVID instead? Well, yeah, I was thinking that it, it feels it feels one step off satire wise. Like it's a little late to do that. I mean, for for instance, the morning show did a COVID season <laughs> and that was embarrassing for them. So I don't know if the boys is like, let's do our COVID season. Uh, but I do think they'll probably make some connections to that. But are you saying like soups are in lockdown? Soups can't go out. Yeah, soups in lockdown, and that aggravates tensions because they could 100% lead into the whole conservative mindset of this is ridiculous. Why do I have to mask up? Oh You're taking God. away my rights as a superhero. Homelander not wearing the mask right and just kind of pulling wearing it, it down. Yeah, yeah, wearing yeah. his jet. I, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> I mean, I don't want I that. I can't either, deal with that. that. I, I can't. I don't want to. Uh, maybe for an episode, not for the season. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We don't have a date as of this taping, so we don't know when necessarily it's going to come, but uh, it's been filmed. So potentially pretty soon or sometime ne early next year, Boys Season 4, Gen V has been picked up, so there is going to be a second season of that. But since it happened during the SAG strike, they could write it, but they can't necessarily act it. But I don't know. I think uh, they're going to start turning these around quickly and... The last thing that I'll mention here at some point is we're probably going to get a diabolical at some point because they worked on the season two of that animated series. So that should be fun as well. Before we wrap up here, though, we should talk about who was best boy in this episode and in this season. Pete, let's Oof. go for you to you for your surprise take. Can't uh, even yeah. All right. Well, you got to give it up to Emma for the season, but I'm going with. Uh, Pete Mar uh, Marie uh, for this episode. Ooh, okay. Uh, no. I just uh, feel like uh, her kind of getting her blood, dead, dead people, blood powers, uh, even though it was super gross, was still pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, yeah, her kind of the way she handled things, even with all the shit going down, was awesome. Justin, what about you? Best boy? Uh, for this episode, I got to give it up to Ashley. Love seeing her here. Mm -hmm. uh, like I was saying earlier, she's a great bad villain, uh, bad at the job of being a villain while still being very villainous. So very happy to see her for the season, though. I'm going to give it up to Marie. I've said it before. Like, I really love the uh, journey what, that dude, she took us on. on. Man. Took us on. Why? We're mad? allowed to choose the same thing. Yeah, so okay. you pick my answer, man. Go on. You picked Marie for the episode and Emma for the season. I picked Ashley for the episode, Marie for the season. So you see, we're carving out our own little nook here, Pete. Pete, don't you see? I like that. Uh, 
Uh, Marie's journey was just great from power set all the way up and down. And I think she's establishing herself as a true hero and perhaps a foil for the villainous Victoria Newman. Mm, Interesting. I am going to give it up to Kate for this episode. I just thought as a villain, she did such a great job of stepping up. I remember we mentioned this. I do love a really good villain. Because you are one. Sure. Game a was, naked villain. A <laughs> nude villain. We hope we send the seat of I recognize him. myself so much in this episode, from the bloodshot eyes to the nudity. Yeah. Pretty it's much all you, bro. To the arm blown up. I don't know. Anyway, I thought Kate was really good. Finally stepped up. I've been waiting for Maddie Phillips to really step up there all season, and this is what I was waiting for. For the whole season, we're supposed to choose Somebody different now, yeah, I actually. guess. No, you can do whatever you want, Alex. I also go Marie, though. I thought Jess Sinclair yeah. was so good in this season. She was a central figure. There was a real hero arc to her. And the moment with the blood knives was badass. Punctuating it with Borks. Oh, I'm going to use that in my next movie line was fantastic joke. Um, just really good stuff across the board. Very happy with the show. And Me too. that is it. If you like to support think- this. What? They keep. They, I mean, they used her sister as bait. Do you think mm. they actually know where her sister is, or do you think yes. it's just a thing where they? Yeah, I just mentioned a couple of other things real quick. I think siblings wise, you've got her sister out there. You've also got Kate's brother out there, and I think those are things yeah. that are big potential. Kate's bro, yeah, in a season two. We'll see. And don't you think it would make sense if uh, Kate and Sam get? Nope. <laughs> Kate and Sam get uh, Marie's sister, and maybe she's a villain, and they get uh, now, Kate's brother. And when he's... do you think we'll see Dickless again? Do you think it'll be in uh, what you call it, or we got to wait for Gen V next season? It's going to be a whole spinoff series just about him searching for a new dick. Wow. Yeah. He's going to, it's like a reality show, like audition. He's going to audition 12. Yeah. 12 dicks and then yeah, I'm sorry you uh, do not get the golden testes this week <laughs> yeah like the bachelor yeah you're yeah. scroting home I don't know I'll we'll oh keep workshopping God. this one if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do patreon.com slash comic book club also we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube come hang out we would love to chat with you about the boys and Gen V Apple, Spotify, Android, or whatever app you listen to podcasts on. You can listen to this one there. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Um, Until next time. Until next season. Until next season. Don't get your dick blown off, folks. Don't get your dick blown off. Uh, There you go. Nice nice little trail off at the end there. Holidays are coming, you guys uh, scrotting home to see your family. <laughs> <laughs>